Fam, what's good? What's good? Man, y'all ready? Yeah. What's good? All right, man, let's get it. Um, man, I don't know, I feel like I'm gonna rap, but every time I gotta do it that way, like, let's get it, it's my, it's my thing. Um, I think it's better than chop it up, but I don't know. Y'all can judge. Just kidding, just kidding. I don't know who says that, but um, man, but in all seriousness, guys, I don't know about you guys, but man, I have been deeply encouraged and moved by our series on justice and mercy. And each sermon has been convicting, encouraging, and challenging as we as a church are taking on hard topics that we as a church need to be discussing and passionate about. And I want to thank Tori and the elders and the leaders for his heart to bring into light these hard topics and the heart of our church in each of these things. Because for the past three weeks, man, we had to buckle down and be challenged into hard topics and man, Tor's been killing it. Yeah. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to our topic today, which is about adoption, foster care, and taking care of the orphan. And hopefully, this topic is not one where I'll get emails, because even if you are left or right, we all can agree on this one stance that the church needs to step into caring for the orphan. Yeah. But if you do want to email me... <laughs> Email me at, no, I'm just kidding. He says that every week I had to steal it. Uh, Man, but here's my prayer for today. That we as a church will be convicted by these messages, that we not only hear it in an open discussion, but that we are challenged to take action. That as a church, that we have a call to push back darkness and be the light. And are we being the church? that we be the church that understands justice and mercy and the call to action that needs to take place, that we start being the church that God has called us to be, that as Christ intercedes on our behalf, that we may intercede for a crying world. And I think about this often. I think about the question that we need to ask is this, how as a church are we imprinting ourselves in the city? How are we being involved in the community around us? I'm always convicted by this, and even as our team plants a church and here at the well, the question we need to ask is this, does the surrounding community know that the church is there? Are they more blessed at the presence of our church, or will they grumble because the only thing we do is cause traffic on Sundays? Is the church concerned about standing for justice and mercy? And that is the direction that we're heading today as we dive into the topic of adoption, fostering, and caring for the orphan. And throughout scripture, we see that God looks after those who are in vulnerable positions and promises justice to protect them. There is a call that God has for his people to intercede on behalf of those who are hurting by the sin of this world. Church, are you concerned about the care for those who are hurting? Are you concerned about the care for those who are hurting? So my three points are the broken family, the command, and the adoption. The broken family, the command, the adoption. So the broken family. Now, I'm going to be honest. When I first found out that I was preaching on um, the orphan and adoption and fostering, I didn't know where to start. In fact, I grew up in a culture where adoption is not the norm. In Asian cultures, widely known that we do not enter into the mess of other families. In fact, I read an article about the taboo of adoption in Korea where 
one family that they can't tell their relatives that they adopted a child. And this couple says this, we didn't even dare tell our own parents because we knew they would disapprove. They would only say, why are you bringing up other people's children? So it's in the last couple of weeks where I really had to preach this sermon to my heart, where I had to be challenged. And I began to realize the power of what the call for the church is, that we can all agree that adoption, fostering, and caring for the orphan is something that is needed, but why isn't it more common in our church? Why isn't it more common across churches all over the world? Because here's the thing, all of us can agree that there's such brokenness in this world and there's brokenness in our families. And we have to understand that not being passionate about adoption, fostering, orphan is not a society problem, but it is in fact a sin issue. That if it's a sin issue, what are we doing as a church to step into that to begin to show the gospel? Do you believe it to be a sin issue? Because again, I think we can all confess that our families are broken. Um, Just come to my family Thanksgiving and you'll see how wild we can get. And I think oftentimes we think we can fix the issue if we had more money or faith and marriage or our children. If we fix those things, the future of our families would be good. But in reality, we have to realize that the brokenness in all of our families, that these things only point to aspects of brokenness, but ultimately it's because of sin. That what God intended for family to be is broken because of sin. We are born into brokenness. This isn't what God had in mind as he created us. In fact, what does he command? Let's read Genesis 1, 27, 28, where Katie will read that passage for us. Hi, my name is Katie Rose, and I'm a covenant member um, and part of the Soul of CG. Um, I am a foster mom of two babies right now um, and have been fostering since last January. I'm going to be reading Genesis 1, 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, friend. Man, we see that in the beginning, God created what man and woman, Adam and Eve, were a family, a man and a woman that were made what in the Imago Dei made in the image, and their marriage being the union that is family. God's command here is that we be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, meaning that we have children who are loved by their father, that they are born into relationship with their parents and with God. That's the intention God had as he created family. But before even getting around to making children, what happened? They fell and they brought in brokenness. The original family was a broken family separated from the heart of God. And as a result, husband and wife were not able to, what they weren't able to trust each other. There was blame shifting that began to happen. Because of that, the first birth of a child was born in brokenness. That in the first six chapters of the Bible in Genesis, we see a broken family. Adam and Eve who bore two sons, one one, one who was murdered by the other, 
as Cain, because of sin, killed his brother Abel. There was competition of love and pleasing the Lord, striving to be accepted and loved, to be validated, and the inhabitants of the people here on earth began to live in sin. Then we get to Noah, where people were sleeping with whoever they wanted to and having children left and right, and God looking at his people and his heart breaking, because this is not the way he created family to be. We see Abraham, who's supposed to be the father of nations, who was impatient and slept with his servant, Hagar, and had a illegitimate heir. heir. Jacob married one sister, but actually loved another sister and married another. David committed adultery with a married woman, Bathsheba, and then murdered her husband. Throughout scripture, we see the results of what sin does to the family, from murder of siblings to people not being a family, but ha- and people having rampant sex, to someone sleeping with a servant, to someone committing adultery and killing her husband. There are instances of children who are born into a mess. And those who were born into the fatherless, the children were born out of sin, into sin, and the very thing God meant to create as good is broken. See, the brokenness of a family is not a society issue, but it's a sin issue. And we as a church need to step into the very sin and begin to live out the gospel. In fact, it is our command. Look at what God commands. God's command for us is to step into this and care for those who are in need. So my second point, God's command, right? So throughout scripture, we see God's command for his people to look after the orphan. God understood the brokenness of family and the call to take care of the orphan. In fact, Exodus 22, verse 22 through 23 says, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 through 18 says this, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving them food and clothing. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God understands the brokenness of family and commands his people to step in radically and love those who are fatherless. You see God's heart here. And as sin brings brokenness, that God is concerned about the restoration of family. Being fatherless is one of the greatest problems in the world around us. Those without mothers or fathers are some of the most valuable on earth. And the Bible is not quiet to this issue. In fact, all throughout scripture, we see God looks after those who are vulnerable and promises, again, justice and commands for his people to look after them. Do you see God's heart here? He hears the cry of injustice that is happening and his call for his people is to step into that. Why? Because God is the ultimate father. God is the ultimate father. Can we read Psalm 68, four through five? As Julia is going to read that for us. Hello, my name is Julia Lentz and my family is a part of the Eastside Community Group. I will be reading Psalm 68, four through five. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. 
exalt before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Thank you so much for reading that. Man, see what David is saying here? He's understanding the heart of God. That God is the father of the fatherless. That God's heart aches at the brokenness of family. That God calls his people his own. God's heart is for the orphan and those who come into brokenness. It's on God's heart to bring redemption and reconciliation for the fatherless. He is the ultimate father. And he calls his people to step into that. And as we begin to do that, that the world will see him. In fact, it is through the faithfulness of adoption that we see in Scripture that we get what? The Son of God. Because here's the thing. If God's call for his people to take care of the fatherless and the orphan, that is where God begins to display who he is as a father. Man, we see two examples of adoption throughout the Old Testament. In each example, there's a powerful demonstration of God's love for his people. The first one in the Old Testament is is Moses who was born into a time where the king of Egypt didn't want the Israelites to multiply and commanded, uh, the command of Pharaoh was to kill any male child who was born. Moses, who was born into brokenness, and his mother, who wanted to protect her child, would go to the riverbank where she knew Pharaoh's daughter was, and she sent Moses in a basket to be adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. Now think about this. Here is somebody that is not a Jewish person adopting a Jewish baby, and her son literally would change the course of history. Because not only was Moses' life spared by by being taken in, but God used him to rescue the Israelites out of bondage. The second being Mordecai and Esther, where we learn that Esther, who was an orphan, was raised by her older cousin Mordecai. And because of his presence in her life and his encouragement, Esther had the courage to reveal herself as a Jew to the king of Persia, an act that God would use to save his people. And all of these, what, pointing to the New Testament, where we see a virgin who was pregnant and her fiancé who could have left her and left Mary, raised him alone, but instead chose to raise Jesus as his own son. And it's the son of God who would change history forever by living the perfect life who would see the issue of sin and the brokenness that it would bring, would pay the ransom that we deserve by going to the cross to be crucified paying for our sins once and for all, that all who believe now restored in brokenness that the sin has caused. Do you see God's heart for caring for the orphan? Do you see the broken family because of sin and God's command for his people to step into and advocate for the fatherless that points ultimately to the glory of God being displayed? Our very gospel truth is centered around the fact of adoption. Brings me to my third point. No, I'm moving fast. The adoption. The adoption. And here's the thing. And isn't it through Jesus that now we as God's people are saved? And here's the thing. The gospel does not stop there. Not only are we saved, but the promise that we receive from the Father is found in Galatians 4, chapter 3 through 7, where Hallie will read that passage. 
Hey guys, my name is Hallie Graves and I am a new member of the Southwest Family CG and I'm also a foster and adoptive single mom to one two-year-old girl and many others hopefully in the future. And I get to do a reading today from the book of Galatians chapter four, verses three through seven. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, friend. Man, see what Christ does. Here in Galatians 4, we get Christmas. <laughs> it's the Son of God who would interject at the perfect time, would be born into a broken world. The Son of God would take on flesh and get into the messiness of the broken world, that he would pay the penalty of sin, which is death. That when we repent and know that we need a Savior, that we are now ushered into grace and the loving hands of the Father, that history would be changed forever, that all who believe are now saved from the bondage of sin, what, forever and ever, and that sin that brought the brokenness of family, that through the death of Jesus, that he would pay the justice of the penalty of sin, that we, want, we now we receive mercy. And it's in that Apostle Paul is saying in Galatians that not only are we saved, but he goes on to say what? That we are now what? Sons of God. That we are now heirs of God. So Paul here is saying something so profound and so powerful. In the historical context of this passage, in the family, it would be only the oldest son who would get the inheritance of the family. But what Paul is saying here is he says, all of us who know Jesus are now called sons. Paul is showing that all children, both men and women, receive the fullness of the inheritance of God. Yeah that we now become heirs of God. Not only are we saved, but we receive his blessing. And in fact, one commentary, it talks about the Greek word here that's used for adoption. It actually is referring to adult sons. Now, if you think about it, where in history do you adopt an adult? You want me to adopt you, bro? <laughs> I'll give you some new J's if you <laughs> Man, but what Paul is illustrating here is the Roman practice of legally adopting a child, which says that when you adopt a child, not only does he become your child, but he, you are also giving him silver right. So what God is saying here is he's taking a believing sinner, regenerates him, and by the adopting him into the family, making him joint heirs of Christ that we now receive the inheritance of God. That because we are adopted into the family of God, Jesus who conquered death and resurrected from the dead, that we now get to experience that resurrection as adopted children of God. Church family, do you understand the justice that happened that we who were fatherless and broken now become adopted into the family of God, being with him forever? We have to understand this because if we begin to understand the adoption that begins to happen when we become safe, we now can't sit still. Yeah. 
And the call of the church is that we too will be called to step into brokenness of families and show them the love of God. The sin of the world's tendency is that we as people who are sinners gravitate towards wanting to be fatherless. Sin says we want to do things our way. And the selfishness of deceit say that where we want to be, which leads us to death. Until it's the great father who does not leave us there and comes after us by sending his son to pay the price. That we now get to be ushered into the grace and mercy and love of a father. We who are fatherless because of sin get to feel the warm embrace of the father being adopted into his family. Now all the promises that he has for his son, Jesus, are now the same promises that he has for us. Is that a fundamental foundation of your life? Jason Johnson, who is a pastor who is passionate about adoption and fostering and the orphan, says this, our care of the vulnerable, our care of the marginalized, our care for the orphan, our care for the outcast and lowly does not begin with the orphan out there that needs a family. Our care of the orphan begins with ourselves as the orphan who needs Jesus. Mm-hmm. That as we begin to understand the work of what Christ has done on, the, on our behalf, that we now know how to intercede and enter into the mess and demonstrate the love of Christ. Do you believe in that? As a church, do we step into that? Man, I got the honor to talk to many parents this last couple of weeks who have adopted or are fostering. And the thing that I keep hearing is the blessing of what it means to enter into a family situation that is messed up. That in that, they are able to show the radical love of Jesus. That in some situations where we begin to foster, that the aim is we enter into sin, praying that we're able to restore the family and bring reconciliation. And in other situations that God calls us to adopt a child who will never be in a safe situation. But through it all, fostering and adoption is a powerful demonstration of what Jesus has done for us. Church, are we passionate about stepping into that? I think oftentimes the American dream tells us that we want to fight for our own comfort and joy, right? All the money we earn, all the things we buy are for our own comfort. But the gospel does not call us to be comfortable. In fact, it says the opposite, that because we know our identity is found as heirs of the true father, that we now have a call to intercede and enter into the mess of this world and love radically the way Jesus loves us. That the cross is a sign of justice, and now we get what? To love our neighbor in mercy. Church, do you see the call that God has for us to step in there? That if the church begins to receive the call and step into that, we will be able to change the injustice of what's happening in this world. Family, are we concerned about caring for the fatherless? Do we spend time praying that God will intercede for these children? Do we spend time praying for those who are fostering and adopting? If the church would step into foster care and adoption, and it is something that we are passionate about in action and prayer, that in some ways that we're able to see healing in racial reconciliation and abortions. 
Man, I, I got the honor to talk to a brother who adopted a um, interracial child. So a white male that is married to a Latina woman that, um, that adopted a black son. And he was talking about the struggles of, of raising his son in this society. And that there was one day where this son went to school and I guess um, a bully came to him and pushed him down on the ground and called him the N-word. Uh, and the good thing is that his friends kind of stepped up and, and, and was in that situation. But he was saying that his son came home and was just in tears, not knowing how to perceive this or what to do. And our brother, who was white, did not know how to step into the situation. So he called another brother at our church, a black male that came to their house and instantly, this brother got down on his knees and looked at the son, looked him in the eyes. And instantly, there was tears in their eyes. And he said, man, it's hard. It's hard that these people would hate you, not because of the clothes you wear or the shoes that are on your feet, because of, but because of something that's out of your control. And in that single moment, in that love that he was able to have with this son, instantly he knew that he was not alone. He knew that he was loved. In the well, Austin, we have a place, a unique gift of being in a church that can love this radically that it would be my brother who would adopt a son and bring him in and be able to show him the gospel. And in a lot of ways that another brother can step into that in ways that we're solving racial reconciliation. And earlier this week, I was at the church office and one of our good friends dropped by with her foster daughter and her daughter was born three weeks early because she was born in brokenness and had to get an emergency C-section. And our friend was able to jump into that, fostering her, taking on the emotions and trauma of the parent and the child. And I literally got to hold her for 10 minutes and prayed a prayer that says, God, would you just show this daughter of yours that she is loved? And I was holding her and she looked up and she just gave me a little smile. Five weeks old and I got to pray over her. And I haven't stopped thinking of her and praying for her. And I just spent 10 minutes with her. Family, that is the beauty of the church that we get to be part of a church that is passionate about justice and mercy. And you may be sitting here and thinking about, man, what can I do? I'm a college student. I don't know anything about adopting and fostering. I can't even feed myself. <laughs> or you may be married and have six children or four children. <laughs> or you may not even be a place where 
you can adopt or foster. But man, there are so many ways that as a church that we can step into this. That we can pray for those who are fostering in our church. That we can support them financially by giving. That we can even take certification to babysit the foster children that the parent would be able to get one night out and get some rest or get some sleep or go out. There are so many ways for us to step into this. Church, are we passionate about the orphan? Here's our call to action. Um, Hallie Graves with um, some other sisters will be leading a class on fostering and adoption. You can sign up for this class by going to www.thewellaustin.com and scroll to connect in classes and you'll be able to see a link there for a class that will be held October 12 and 19 and 19 at 8 p.m. And this class is not just for people who want to adopt to go into foster care, but it's for everyone, college students or adults who want to get involved from actually people who are interested in fostering to finding out more information on how we can support those who are in the church fostering or adopting. From babysitting again to parents getting some rest but, and providing needs. I hope and pray that as a church that we are passionate about the call to care for the fatherless in the way that God ran after us, that we would intercede because that's what Christ has done for us. We who were orphans are now with the ultimate father. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you. We thank you, O oh Lord, that even in the depths of sin and brokenness, that as we run away from you, O oh Lord, that it is you, the ultimate Father, that chases and runs after us. That it is you, Father, who would send your Son, Jesus Christ, and now we get to be adopted into your family. That we are now sons and heirs of the God Most High. Father, we pray, O oh Lord, for our church. We pray, O oh Lord, that as a church that we would know and understand what it means to step into this. That, O oh Lord, that we would know what it means in some ways that the church to be passionate about um, the orphan and fostering and adoption. In all ways, O oh Lord, that we would point these things to you. And that families would be reconciled and that people would know your name. Father, let us not be a church that just hears these words and hears a good message, that we take action and intercede in the way that Christ intercedes for us and that this world may be healed. So Father, we just thank you for this call. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you are a father who is passionate for the orphan. We thank you, we love you, and we pray all this in your son's name. Amen.